So they start on bottom of page 63, and it said, next, we launched out on a course of vigorous action. So the first question, the obvious question, is how many of you have made an attempt at recovery before? How many of you have made an attempt at the step process before? How many of you would describe your first attempt at a fourth step as something less than a launching? So if one fails to launch, what's lacking? Power. If one does not launch, you have not yet encountered power. Does that make sense? So what we've got to do is make sure that we've had a two so that there's power in the three, and then the product of that is a four. Okay? All right, so the first step of which is a personal house cleaning, which many of us had never attempted. Though our decision was a vital and crucial step, it could have little permanent effect unless at once followed by a strenuous effort to face and be rid of the things in ourselves which had been blocking us. Our liquor was but a symptom, so we had to get down to causes and conditions. How many of you suspected inactive addiction that whatever it was you were addicted to was not your main problem? It may have been something of a problem, but it wasn't the main problem. How many of you kind of concluded, at least for a time, it wasn't the problem, it was my solution? So that was maybe one of the few things we had right in our delusional state. It's just a symptom of an underlying problem, which is why I might want to do the step four. Where do we find this power that we call God? Deep down inside. And how do we find it? Sometimes we're going to have to search fearlessly. So it would make logical sense that in that prayer that I'm asking, you know, relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will, that I can see the difference between the bondage and God's will. In my experience, rather than, a, rather than a sermon, just take a look at the facts about me. Right? Okay. So, so we had to get down to causes and conditions. Therefore, we started upon a personal inventory. This was step four. A business which takes no regular inventory usually goes broke. Taking a commercial inventory is a fact-finding and a fact-facing process. It's an effort to discover the truth about the stock in trade. One object is to disclose damaged or unsaleable goods to get rid of them promptly and without regret. If the owner of business is to be successful, he cannot fool himself about values. We did exactly the same thing with our lives. So I'm sorry I read so much, but I have to do all of that so we can go back and see what they said they did because they paint it with a little metaphor so we can relate, if that makes sense. They're comparing our lives to a business owner and figuring out what really is in inventory and what I'm holding on to that may not be good stock and what, what I haven't yet discovered. Any of you ever discovered something in your cabinet you didn't know was there? Okay, so they go, we go back through it. It says that this is a fact-finding and a fact-facing process. It's an effort to discover the truth about the stock and trade. So how many of you have discovered that there sometimes is a difference between your truth, other people's truth about you, and the truth about you? How many of you lived in fear of somebody finding out the truth about you? 
How many of you had the experience of that fear manifesting a self to try and please them that ultimately was not serving to you? You ever try to pretend you were something else to try and get someone to like you and then realize you weren't being authentic, they still didn't like you, now you didn't like you? So they said being convinced that self-manifest in various ways is what had de defeated us. Now we're going to look at the, how self-manifested in various ways has defeated me. I need to know it personally because that's the truth about the stock and trade, yeah? Okay. So, and then it says one object is to disclose damaged or unsaleable goods to get rid of them promptly and without regret. So... They wouldn't have said there was one object because they were very precise. They used the words they mean, they mean the words they say. They agreed on every word, right? So if there's one object is to disclose damaged or unsaleable goods, what are the other objects? How many of you remember the step two instruction? Didn't we say that deep down inside every man, woman, and child is the fundamental idea of God? And then at some point, yes, exactly. Who's paying attention over there? Power. Thank you. Every we say God, you say power around here. Right? So we don't offend anybody that doesn't like the word God because we're pointing to power. Right? Everybody likes power. Okay. The great reality was deep down within us in the last analysis. It was only there that he may be found. It was so with us, even though half of them tell you they were atheists or agnostics to begin with. So... It isn't about just uncovering damaged or unsaleable goods. And I've heard it taught in the rooms for years. You've got to get out that one little dirty secret. Your secrets kill you. First of all, there may be some truth to that, but there are no secrets in the realm of the spirit, which is where I'm trying to awaken into. So it isn't the secrets killing me. It's the flesh killing me. And I need to awaken the spirit and strengthen the spirit so that that can be overcome. Does that make sense? Okay. So, it's a treasure hunt, not a crap hunt. So those of you who groaned because you heard about a fourth step, we're looking for the great reality within you. We're not looking for crap. God knows all that crap. And yet, he met you where you are and brought you to this point. Make sense? Okay. All right. So... We did exactly the same thing with our lives. We took stock honestly. First, we searched out the flaws in our makeup which caused our failure. Being convinced that self manifested in various ways with what had defeated us, we considered its common manifestation. So they remind me of my decision in three. I'm convinced that self manifested in various ways. I say I'm convinced, but I'm not yet convinced because I haven't done the work to convince myself, right? I'm taking on faith, right? How many of you didn't even know what that sentence said the first time someone showed you the fourth step? Yeah, 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 just tell me what to do. Right? It wasn't it an act of faith when someone finally took you through the steps? That was all that was required. There's no power in the steps. The steps simply revealed that little bit of faith within you. And once you activated that faith, it revealed the great reality within you. Is that true? The fundamental idea of God is deep down within you, not your idea of God, God's idea of you. Right? Some people twisted that up years ago, too. You got to remember, sometimes people write shit down, and they drunks, man. 
The created doesn't need to create the creator. The created needs to get to know the creator and walk in relationship with him. Okay? All right. So, it says, we've considered its common manifestations, resentment's the number one offender. It destroys more alcoholics than anything else. From it stem all forms of spiritual disease, for we've not only been mentally and physically ill, we've been spiritually sick. When the spiritual malady is overcome, we straighten out mentally and physically. How many of you discovered that's true and didn't even know that they promised that? Because in modern treatment, we often deal with the physical and the mental, and we ignore the spiritual. In fact, we tell them, you don't have to worry about the spiritual part. And we've doomed them to misery, if not death, when we do that, guys. I straighten out the spirit, the mind and body straighten out. If I don't feed the spirit, then the same guy who was so miserable that he had to medicate his entire life away is still in that same level of misery, and it's just a matter of time. So I'm not saving them anything by holding back the truth. The truth is that whether you believe in God or not, God apparently believes in you, because look who he brought you to. Does that make sense? Okay. So, so when the spiritual malady is overcome, we straighten out mentally and physically. In dealing with resentments, we set them on paper. Now, it's important you know the we. Sean always points this out. They're the we. What do we do when we experience our resentments? Sit on a bar stool. Share them with our friends. Any of you sit around and just share your spirit of grievance with everybody? Come on. So. <laughs> or at work, or at whomever, wherever, right? Any of you have a problem with people today? Okay. So, in dealing with resentments, we set them on paper. So the first thing I got to do is own them. And i got to write them down instead of share them with you. That's not helpful. Make sense? We listed people, institutions, or principles with whom we are angry. People, institutions, principles. Most of us are familiar with institutions of all various types. Um, principles. You may not think in terms of principles, but principles. God himself could be a, a divine principle, right? People that are mad at God that they don't believe in. Have you ever met the, the people that are really angry with the God they don't believe in? Yeah. <laughs> I've met lots of them. Okay. So we ask ourselves why we were angry. So the first thing to do is get to the truth about what's going on. How many of you, as you started looking at the things you said you were angry at and ask yourself why, you couldn't entirely remember why? How many of you knew vividly why? And you'd been clinging to it for 20 years. Yeah, or however long. Okay. So in most cases, it was found that our self-esteem, our pocketbooks, our ambitions, our personal relationships, including sex, were hurt or threatened. So we were sore. We were burned up. So how many of you found that that the closer the relationship, the more likely that you had some resentment toward them? Exes, brothers, sisters, right? The closer you let them in, the deeper the betrayal. Yes? Okay, so 
On our grudge list, we set opposite each name our injuries. Was it our self-esteem, our security, our ambitions, our personal or sex relations which had been interfered with? So now I'm going to see precisely what my attachment was, yes? What desire it affected? Anybody? Personal sex relations we get. How about self-esteem? How many of you have allowed someone to affect your self-esteem? Do you think they did it or do you think you did it? That's still allowing somebody to affect your self-esteem. Right? Okay. How about security? Might be money, might be, might be housing, might be a relationship that makes you feel warm and fuzzy. How about, what about a job? How about, have you ever had a job that took on you, your identity was your job? And so if that goes away, then what? And then it says ambitions. How many of you have had a hard time in life because it just seems so unfair? Because, see, ambitions are my desire for a future outcome. So if I have a desire for a future outcome, I'm going to see a lot of instances of you stealing my freaking promotion, relationship. Anyone know what I'm talking about? So those things, those things can really mess us up. They can make us difficult. Yeah? Okay. So we were usually as definite as this example. I'm not going to go through that. I'm going to go to the bottom. It says, we went back through our lives. Nothing counted but thoroughness and honesty. Why? Our lives depended on it. Yeah, our lives depended on it. And I'm going to learn to tell a story, right? The whole point of doing this is so I can be a proper witness. What did the third step prayer have me say? So that I can bear witness your love, your power, your way of life. I'm not going to be able to do that till I know what I've been restored from. Make sense? So I got to be a credible witness. So I got to be thorough and honest about what, what happened, what I was like, what I want to be like in the future, hopefully what someone catches me being like now. How many of you have had that experience? Where you're actually behaving better than you because you're unaware, you've just been changed, and someone goes, wow, you really, that's good stuff. When, and we know we didn't have anything to do with it, right? I hope we do. Okay. All right. So it says we were, when we were finished, we considered it carefully. Why would we do that? Probably do want to understand it. I want to make sure I got it right. I want to probably examine my thoughts about what I'm trying to shade or what I'm trying to hide. How many of you are writing it down? We're already thinking to five. Go, oh, boy, I don't want to share. How can I make myself look a little better in this deal? Okay, so, so we want to examine our thoughts. This is the whole process of the inventory is learning that the world isn't as we see it. The world is as we think it. Our eyes just perceive whatever it is we're thinking and feeling. Okay, all right, so the first thing apparent was that this world and its people were often quite wrong. How many of you had that discovery today? Just Sean? <laughs> Sean saw something wrong. That's amazing. Um, to conclude that others were wrong was as far as most of us ever got. Have you ever had that day? The usual outcome was that people continued to wrong us and we stayed sore. So they're describing that mental and emotional loop that we know it's not useful, but we cannot get out of it. You know what I'm talking about? 
Something happened, you cannot let go of it, you can't let go of the anger, and it's just eating you up inside. Have you ever had that? See, one of the things they discovered about this power we call God is that it is power to philosophically comfort me. So if you've ever had that experience, knowing that the world offers no comfort, the comfort has to come from within, is a handy little trick for an addict of the hopeless variety to know. Does that make sense? Doesn't mean you're not going to have those spins, you're just going to know not to go out in the world looking for your solution. Okay? All right, so, so the more we fought and tried to have our own way, the worse matters got. Why? Because I'm fighting with illusions. Yeah. I'm, I'm still trying to make the world suit me, and the thing that's not right is within me, not out there. Does it make sense? Okay. So... As in war, the victor only seemed to win. Our moments of triumph were short-lived. It's plain that a life which includes deep resentment leads only to futility and unhappiness. Now, I will say this. If you have not done an inventory, shared it with somebody, done some of this work, it may not be plain. They're talking to you as people who are past tense, past this experience. So that's why it's so important you know who the we is, because if you're sitting there going, well, bullshit, that's not what I think. Well, of course not, because we haven't opened your eyes. We haven't awakened you yet. The prayer, step three has no amen, because it was only half the prayer. I just agreed to get my eyes open. I haven't opened them yet. I still got to do four and five. Does it make sense? Okay. So to the precise extent that we permit these, do we squander the hours that might have been worthwhile? How many of you have figured out, as you started to awaken spiritually, that you've squandered a fair amount of your life? Well, but it's relieving to know that I squandered it and you didn't squander it because I got no power to change you from squandering my life, but I can get disciplined in my thought life and quit wasting my time. Does it make sense? Okay. So, but with the alcoholic whose hope is the maintenance and growth of a spiritual experience, this business of resentment is infinitely grave. We found that it's fatal. So... Have you determined yourself to be an alcoholic, an addict of the hopeless variety, and know that your hope is only found in the growth and maintenance of a spiritual experience? Because then you're really a 12-stepper, right? If, if you're just hanging around the fellowships and your goal is to get abstinent, good luck with that. I don't live well abstinent. But what I do is I learned that... Although I am still dependent, I can switch my dependency from worldly things to otherworldly things, and I can walk in a certain degree of comfort in the world. Does it make sense? Okay. All right. So for when harboring such feelings, we shut ourselves off from the sunlight of the spirit. The insanity of alcohol returns, and we drink again. With us to drink is to die. If we were to live, we had to be free of anger. Remember they told us in... Two, that this was a power to live. We had to find a power by which we could live. And it had to be a power greater than ourselves. You know why it had to be a power greater than ourselves? Because not one human being ever born save one had the power to live within them. Although it flows through us, it is not owned by us. That's not a theological argument. It's just the way it is. Okay? 
All right, so the grouch and the brainstorm were not for us. Now they're talking about how they learned they seeded resentment. So how many of you have discovered that griping can cause you to get worse tempered? That's all they're talking about, walking around griping. You're going to seed that spirit of unrest. How about brainstorm? That's an old English word. How many of you are ragers? So it might be that certain fit of rage that causes you to do something regrettable. Or the other thing a brainstorm can be is that bright idea that could cause you to launch out on a course of vigorous action without first counting the cost. Any of you get off on a great idea that was foolproof until you found the flaw? Just before sentencing, right? I knew, I knew you would know. <laughs> so they may be the dubious luxury of normal men, but for alcoholics, these things are poison. So we're not going to worry about how the rest of the world does it. That's a dubious luxury. But for me, these things are poison. Holding on to that spirit of grievance is going to block me off from the sunlight of the spirit. The insanity will return, and I'll drink again, or something of that nature. All right, so, so we turn back to the list, for it held the key to the future. So what's the key to the future? We went back to the list because it held the key. What did they tell me I was going to find? Get down to the truth about the stock and trade. So the key to the future is the truth. Not my truth, not your truth, but the truth. For those of you who are students of Bibles, you will know that the truth is a person. Okay. So we are prepared to look at it from an entirely different angle. We began to see that this world and its people really dominated us. How many of you have had that discovery? How many of you didn't like the cop to it? I'll get those motherfuckers. And they're coming out of the woodwork, right? Come on, where's my tweakers? You had, you had them everywhere, dude. We began to see that this world and its people really dominated us. In that state, the wrongdoing of others, fancied or real, had the power to actually kill. So how much of the wrongdoing of others do you imagine is fancied, and how much do you imagine is real? Do you think anyone thinks about me quite as often as I think about me? So some percentage is fancied, right? I don't know what. But what about when it's real? What when you people have really wronged me? The outcome's still the same. If I hold on to that grievance, it will shut me off from the sunlight of the spirit. The insanity will return, and I will drink again. And for me to drink is to die. So does it matter whether it's wrong, the wrongdoing of others is fancied or real? Not for a guy like me. I don't know for you. It can't matter, right? I can't hold on to the spirit of grievance and I can't cast it out without a power greater than me. Because weirdly enough, I think that spirit of grievance is comforting me when all evidence would suggest that's not true. Any of you hold on to something because you're just mad? My rage was a reason to live for a while. Just to get back at you sons of bitches. So we saw that these resentments must be mastered, but how? So are we with them? I've got to figure out a way to master resentments. I don't even know what all my resentments are. They seem to crop up without explanation, but I have to master them because I'm tired of being prey to misery and depression. 
True? Okay. So we could not wish them away any more than alcohol. So what does it sound like the first thing they tried was? They tried to wish them away. That's what all of us are going to try and do until we learn that that doesn't have any power. There's no power in the wish. Right? Okay. So this was our course. We realized that the people who wronged us were perhaps spiritually sick. Well, that's interesting. That's where I got to start conceding that maybe I have a spiritual sickness if I'm in the atheist or agnostic category because I'm never going to see the world appropriately until I realize the reason I'm so familiar with you and your behavior is I am a distributor of all those things. Does that make sense? So it says, though we did not like their symptoms and the way these disturbed us, they, like ourselves, were sick too. So what are their symptoms? I don't know, but I know what mine are. Selfishness, dishonesty. Yeah, anyone relate to Sean? Selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, fear, shame, remorse. Anyone relate to those? Okay. So the reason I'm so good at spotting them is because I've been full of them. And what I need to do is make sure when I'm seeing them that I'm not seeing my thoughts and I'm actually seeing. I need vision, not just eyesight. Eyesight without insight is spiritual blindness. Make sense? Okay. So we ask God to help us show them the same tolerance, pity, and patience that we would cheerfully grant a sick friend. So that's my acknowledgement on the fly of my personal powerlessness. I can't see it, but God can see it. Show me. Does that make sense? Any of you know what I'm talking about? You carried your prejudice in. You were pissed off. You knew it wasn't good for you. But until you remembered to pray to ask God to show you, you still saw the human of them, and that's all you could see because that's all you got. Yes? Okay. This, this is a cool little book. <laughs> it, it, it's, a, it's a very simple operating manual for a very complex machine, the human mind. And if you do not tame your mind, your mind will tame you. So, so it says that uh, when, when a person offended, we said to ourselves, this is a sick man. How can I be helpful to him? God save me from being angry. Thy will be done. So what's God's will? Whatever's going on. I may be misperceiving it, but I've been brought to this moment for a purpose. Either that or every moment, moment of my life is random. Doesn't make any sense, does it? Because they start to come together. You start to see there was, even though things appeared random at one time, there was some purpose in something years ago. Anyone know what I'm talking about? 1982, the very first construction project I was ever a manager on was building this facility. I didn't know we were building the house for all of us. Then two years ago, I got a list of subject properties. And they said, pick out of here and let's go see them. I said, we don't need to go see them. I see the one we're going to own. It's right here. Why do you know that? Because in 1982, Kyle's sitting in here tonight. He knows it's true, right? So there was, there was purpose in everything. Purpose in everything. And I, it seemed random, but there's nothing random about it. So there's nothing random about the current moment either. So what I need to do is find the purpose in the moment. Yes? Okay. All right. So we avoid retaliation or argument. We wouldn't treat sick people that way. If we do, we destroy our chance of being helpful. How many of you had that experience? 
Ever decide you wanted to be helpful? And then you went off on them? <laughs> and they, they were less willing to accept your help? We cannot be helpful to all people, but at least God will show us how to take a kindly and tolerant view of each and every one. I love that you guys are still remembering power. Thank you very much for that. That helps us, and the, the online audience loves you, by the way. Right, Brian? The power thing. Come on. When I say God, you say... There you go. God will show us how to take a kindly and tolerant view. Right? Referring to our list again, putting out of our minds the wrongs others had done, we resolutely looked for our own mistakes. Why did they say resolutely? Because my mind's going to tell me, now fuck them. <laughs> so I'm going to have to redirect, redirect, redirect. I've got to find my part because I never get free till I own it. Yep. Make sense? I've got to own my part. Yes? yes? Even if I had no part in the harm, my unforgiveness is killing me. Why am I not putting that harm and my survival, the grace through which sustained me through it, why am I not telling that story to someone else similarly afflicted? Because the minute I put that to purpose, it's no longer suffering, it's purpose. That make sense? Okay. All right, so where had we been selfish, dishonest, self-seeking, and frightened? See how we just chase it all the way down to the fear that caused myself to manifest? Yep. So, though a situation had been, not been entirely our fault, we tried to disregard the other person involved entirely. Where were we to blame? So important, guys, this is why you might want to sit down with someone if you can't do it. Someone that's not connected to it can look at it dispassionately and help you find your part. Because your part may not be anything grievous, or it may be something terribly grievous, you're just blinded to it because of how afflicted you were by the, the, the relationship. The inventory was ours, not the other man's. When we saw our faults, we listed them. Why would we want to do that? I got to get to armed about with the facts about myself. This is what I was like. This is what happened. This is what I'm like now. His power, his love, his way of life. Yeah? Okay. So we admitted our wrongs honestly and we're willing to set these matters straight. Notice the, fear, the word fear is bracketed alongside the the difficulties with Mr. Brown, Mrs. Jones, the employer, and the wife. This short word somehow touches about every aspect of our lives. It was an evil and corroding thread. The fabric of our existence was shot through with it. You guys start to grow in the spirit and realize how fear-driven you've been? Especially you guys that were ragers. I was a bit of a rager. So we would like to profess that we weren't afraid of anything. But my action showed I was afraid of everything. I could say that now, I couldn't say that then. My, the fabric of my existence was shot through. It kept me frozen. Yes? Okay. It set in motion trains of circumstances which brought us misfortune we felt we didn't deserve, but did we not, did not we ourselves set the ball rolling? So have you guys done an inventory and seen how fear drove you into self-seeking, then dishonesty, i got to lie to me before I mistreat you. It isn't outward dishonesty that gets me in trouble, it's inward dishonesty. You, you won't like me if you know the truth, you don't deserve the truth, whatever, yeah, okay. All right, so sometimes we think fear ought to be classed with stealing, it seems to cause more trouble. Does that sound a little bit 
Aggressive or no? How many of you have had your fears steal time from you? Ever had something you would kind of like to do, but you didn't do it because it was going to take so much time? If I, if I started school now, I wouldn't get out till I was 45. Yeah, how about, I, did you get 100% of those jobs you didn't apply for? How many of you are all set up to go try out for that job, but you just never quite made it because, okay. So those fears stole from me that opportunity. Maybe it stole from me a lot of years before I finally enacted a decision. Anyone else? Okay. So we put them on paper, even though we had no resentment in connection with them. Do yourself a favor and do a little fear work at some point in your journey and see the things you have that have no relation, no resentment in connection with them. Because the one with resentment, you're going to chase right back. But the ones that don't have any resentment in connection with them, they've been driving you all your life. And you may not even know it. I, I can always share with you some of the things I learned about me is I had this fear that I was going to miss something. And so that manifested when I was a drinker, I would sit in a bar night after night, shitty little place, only me and the bartender, but I wouldn't leave because if I left, I might miss something. I also would get involved in relationships and never fully commit because if I were to fully commit, I might miss something, which made me a dishonest partner in everything. Anyone know what I'm talking about? So I had to take a look at those things. That doesn't mean I've overcome them, but I'm telling you that God's made me aware of them and God can overcome them, right? Um, anyway, so since so we ask ourselves why we had them, wasn't it because self-reliance failed us? So how many of you tried self-reliance? I'm just going to be better. And then you weren't. And how many of you really meant it? And still you weren't. And how many of you realized that if you had the power to be that, you would have done it the first time, and that there is a power within you that is your righteousness that will take you to that better place? It just likes to be asked. I don't know why. So self-reliance was good as far as it went, but it didn't go far enough. Some of us once had great self-confidence, but it didn't fully solve the fear problem or any other. When it made us cocky, it was worse. So they're clearly t deciding for me now my real problem, my main problem, wasn't so much an alcohol problem or a heroin problem or whatever. I had a fear problem, and I had to block the consciousness of my miserable existence the best I could, and so I used these synthetic spirits. Yeah? Okay. So perhaps there's a better way. We think so. So they're credible witnesses, right? Because they've been restored. They wrote this book. They were once as hopeless as any one of us, and yet they're telling this story. So is it worth listening to them? Yes. Our whole thing here is based on a peer model. You don't have to agree with anything we say, but we have lived experience. And so when you look around at all the people that you're here, you guys that are, that are programming here now, all the staff you see here, all of them, the vast majority of them have lived experience. They've reentered. They're doing, they're doing the deal. And the same thing with addiction recovery. We're, we've been recovered from the same deplorable place you've been. I mean, the circumstances may look different, but the mental and emotional deserts are very similar. Okay. Um, for we're now on a different basis, the basis of trusting and relying upon God. We trust infinite God rather than our finite selves. 
Makes a lot of sense when we say we trust infinite power rather than our finite selves, doesn't it? Okay. So we're in the world to play the role he assigns. So how many of you have to admit that it does seem at times that you've been given a rather shitty assignment? So it's at those moments, all the promises are for those moments. The promises about the redemption, the recovered state, which you need to understand is who on the planet is better to play the role that is your life than you? Nobody. Nobody. You've been perfectly prepared by your lived experience to play the role that is you. And our problem has always been when it came time to play our role, we were out directing the lights, the scenery, and the ballet instead of playing our part. And if we get square and just play our part, we'll find that we experience the redemption they talk about. Yes? Okay. So it says, that, says just to the extent we do as we think he would have us and humbly rely on him, does he enable us to match calamity with serenity? Sounds like a handy little trick, yeah? We never apologize to anyone for depending upon our creator. We can laugh at, very good, that's power too. We can laugh at those who think spirituality the way of weakness. Paradoxically, it's the way of strength. So we're not laughing at the people, we're laughing at the idea because I once thought and felt as they do. I doubt I'd made much progress had I not taken action. Right? If I had not awoken to the spirit in me, I would think it was ridiculous as somebody else, which is why we can laugh because the only reason you see me doing better is because God sees to it I do better. All right, so the, the verdict of the ages is that faith means courage. All men of faith have courage. They trust their God. We never apologize for God. Instead, we let him demonstrate through us what he can do. So a lot of times we get here and we're like, okay, I'll, I'll get with this power thing you're talking about. Just what do you want me to do? And the thing is, we're asking for the wrong thing. You're not a human doing, you're a human being. He's the doer. I just need to know what he would have me be, and then he will do as he will. Does that make sense? I've got to serve as a vessel. It may sound completely ridiculous to you, but any of you that have been coming in here and watching us do this, I check out about 20 minutes before we start, and all you see is the vessel. And if you stop me in the middle, I can't tell you exactly what was said, because it wasn't me saying it. Just bear in witness. Does it make sense? That's why you can feel it. You're feeling it in you. Right? So, instead we let him demonstrate through us what he can do. We ask him to remove our fear and direct our attention to what he would have us be. At once we commence to outgrow fear. So when you're disturbed in the world, <sighs> remove my fear, God. Direct my attention to what you would have me be at once commence to outgrow fear. Make sense? You will outgrow fear because you will confront fear. You get on the other side of fear, everyone thinks it was courageous. Still felt like fear to you, but it didn't look like it to them, which is why faith without works is dead. Not because I couldn't have faith and do no works, but if I had faith and did no works, you wouldn't know. Faith and works, works are observable. That means the whole community of God gets better. Does that make sense? Okay. So, now about sex. Very good. We have a fan. 
Many of us needed an overhauling there. But above all, we tried to be sensible on this question. It's so easy to get way off the track. Here we find human opinions running to extremes, absurd extremes perhaps. One set of voices cry that sex is a lust of our lower nature, a base necessity of procreation, and then we have the voices who cry for sex and more sex who bewail the institution of marriage, who think that most of the troubles of the race are traceable to sex causes. They think we do not have enough of it or it isn't the right kind. So in your own history, have you been on both sides of the argument? Procreation only, not enough, not the right kind. So remember they told us if we were alcoholic, we're a bit extreme. So if you find yourself on both ends of the argument, that's evidence of extreme nature. Okay? So um, they see its significance everywhere. One school would allow man no flavor for his fare, the other would have us all on a straight pepper diet. We want to stay out of this controversy. So the suggestion isn't about how much of us, how much power we put into sexual conduct of ourselves or others. The suggestion is, I'm no good at managing that. There's only a power greater than me that can manage that. I damn sure can't manage it out there, right? So I want to stay out of this controversy. We do not want to be the arbiter of anyone's sex conduct. We all have sex problems. We'd hardly be human if we didn't. No one is good at this. We're not in a position to judge. Does it make sense? We make a big mistake about trying to keep people apart, and it's, it's part of, it feeds our control addiction. Yeah? We don't really have a substance addiction so much as we have a control addiction. And we use various things to block consciousness of that. The only power in the known universe, the only substance in the known universe sufficient to overcome the control addiction is faith. Faith allows you to overcome your control addiction, which is why we're in a faith-strengthening manner of living. Make sense? Okay, so we reviewed our own conduct over the years past. Where had we been selfish, dishonest, or inconsiderate? So now we're on page 69 where we talk about sex in the big book. Because alcoholics are not without a sense of humor. In the middle of page 69 is your 10th step for a lifetime. And we want to go through that. Because someone asked me today how I take people through the fourth step. And it depends. It depends on where they are. But I often start right here because why not? We'll, get, we'll chase it all down from here. So where had we been selfish, dishonest, or inconsiderate? It's not enough to know that I've been selfish, dishonest, or inconsiderate. It's enough to know how I was thinking, how I was acting when I was selfish, dishonest, and inconsiderate. Because I'm trying to get to the facts about me. Make sense? And then it says, whom had we hurt? One of the discoveries I had there is sometimes I hurt people because I thought I needed to hurt them because they hurt me. But there was always collateral damage. So my list of whom I'd hurt was always larger than the one I was in the altercation with. Um, did we unjustifiably arouse jealousy, suspicion, bitterness? Again, it's not enough to say, did I? Because I probably did. I, it's enough to know what I was doing, what I, how I was acting, how I was thinking when that happened. Make sense? So I'm trying to get to the facts about me. How did myself manifest that defeated me? How many of you found yourself behaving in a way, on the regular, that you knew wasn't you? And then one day you just, well, fuck it, I can't stop. 
Where were we at fault? What should we have done instead? We got this all down on paper and looked at it. So that's really basically your, your relationship with creation is your relationship with creator. So if you're having a shitty time in creation, check in with creator. And you can do it with that paragraph right there. Whether it's sex or any other problem. Make sense? All right, so in this way, we tried to shape a sane and sound ideal for our future sex life. So how many of you want a future sex life? Twelve of you. One of you twice. And the rest of you are lying. However, if you are not comfortable proclaiming you want a future sex life, if you were to have one, would you not like a sane and sound ideal for it? Oh, one more hand? Come on. I don't know why everyone doesn't want to do this, because it isn't even about sex. It's about getting a sane and sound ideal for all my future relationships. Does that make sense? And so whether you've ever had an addiction to anything, if you're human, getting a sane and sound ideal based on my experience for all my future relationships is just such a handy little thing to know I have access to. So we subjected each relation to this test. Was it selfish or not? How many of you have found that you're not the best judge of whether something's selfish or not when you're personally involved? But how many of you have discovered there's a power within you that seems convicting? When you start going into spin about why this is divinely appointed, why I got to do this. We're perfect for each other. We, we need to move. So again, self is always in the way. That's why we're always growing in consciousness. We ask God to mold our ideals and help us live up to them. We remembered that... We remember that always that our sex powers were God-given and therefore good, neither to be used lightly or selfishly, nor to be despised and loathed. So we're not condemning and we're not celebrating. We're just, to make sense, we're trying to get to some balance. Whatever our ideal turns out to be, we must be willing to grow toward it. Now, I've heard people teach that this is a must, that means it's a rule, but they've already told you the whole manner of living is suggestive. It will not work unless you honestly want to and are willing to make the effort. Therefore, it is not a rule. It is another use of the word must, which means kind of like a no-brainer. I must be willing to grow toward it or I wouldn't have dug through all that pain to unearth it. Does that make sense? Okay. And we must be willing to make amends where we've done harm. Same thing. Why am I willing to make amends? Because that's the freedom step. That's the fitness step. If I'm going to get free of me, so I'm free to be me, I'm going to have to get fit in the spirit. And that's going to be done by subordinating the ego and owning my part. Make sense? So of course I'm willing to grow toward it, even though I'm frightened of it. But I must be willing or I wouldn't have dug it up. Does it make sense? Okay. So... It's provided we don't, don't, do not bring up about still more harm in so doing. In other words, we treat sex as we would any other problem. So that's what I told you. you. It's all relationships. I used to work with people in the halfway houses and someone would hold their check. And then all of a sudden they would be getting a full check because they were caught up in rent. And they'd come to me and they'd say, Joe, will you hold my money? And I'd say, no, but I'll help you inventory your relationship with money. Because right now money's your God. Did you ever get high when you didn't have money? Oh, hell yeah. 
Okay, then money ain't keeping you sober either. Make sense? Okay. All right. So in meditation, we ask God what we should do about each specific matter. So there's nothing so trivial. If you're too afraid to move forward with any matter, ask someone to help you because each specific matter, whatever it is, whatever it is that is causing you not to move forward in your spiritual development, get some help. Make sense? The right answer will come if we want it. What if we don't want it? How many of you have got the right answer? Go, oh, no, 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 I can improve on that. <laughs> so now we got the finite telling the infinite of a better way. But it happens. We all do it, right? God alone can judge our sex situation. Counsel with other persons is often desirable, but we let God be the final judge. Remember when they talk to you about God, they're talking about a sensory experience. So when we say final judge, you are going to experience a confirmation or a judgment within you. How many of you have had that happen and no one pointed out to you that was what was up? I know you don't like the answer, but that which you just felt, I just shared it with you, that's your answer. What, well, what was the answer? I don't know the answers for you or in you, but whatever the question was you asked God, that's the answer. Because I just felt you get it. Who knows what I'm talking about? We realize that some people are as fanatical about sex as others are loose. We avoid hysterical thinking or advice. Suppose we fall short of the chosen ideal and stumble. Any of you have been afraid to do anything for fear you'd fail? Okay. Does this mean we're going to get drunk? Some people tell us so, but it's only a half-truth. It depends on us and our motives. So how many of you had an ideal for how you ought to behave because of what you learned about some of the harmful behavior you'd been engaged in? And you really meant it, and you really wanted to be changed, but you still stumbled. Are you still trying to grow spiritually? So it was only a half-truth. As long as you're moving forward, you're going to be okay. Okay, so if we're sorry for what we've done and have the honest desire to let God take us to better things, we believe we'll be forgiven, we'll have learned our lesson. If we're not sorry and our conduct continues to harm others, we're quite sure to drink. We're not theorizing. These are facts out of our experience. So you got to get back, check their credibility. This is the first 100. Their book's called The Story of How Many Thousands of Men and Women Have Recovered from Alcoholism. So they had a lot of experience seeing, if I'm unrepentant in my selfish actions, the likelihood is it's not going to turn out well. Therefore, I don't need anyone to tell me because I'm, I'm my own executioner in addiction. Does it make sense? I mean, we'll rebuke you, we'll do whatever we can, but ultimately I'm not going to judge because that could be any of us. But the reality is if I don't start going the right direction, I'm going to be troubled. Okay? So to sum up about sex, we earnestly pray for the right ideal, for guidance in each questionable situation, and for sanity and for strength to do the right thing. If sex is very troublesome, we throw ourselves the harder into helping others. So if you're obsessing about anything, including sex, find someone to help Probably not somebody you're thinking of having sex with, <laughs> but somebody to help, and it will relieve that. It happens. Um, we think of their needs and work for them. This takes us out of ourselves. It quiets the imperious urge when to yield would mean heartache. If we've been thorough about our personal inventory, we've written down a lot. How many of you did an inventory and did have a lot? Okay. 
How many of you did multiple days of, yeah, because sometimes it takes a minute. We've listed and analyzed our resentments, and we've begun to comprehend their futility and fatality. Do you notice how they're talking about a beginning? They're not talking about, I've completed my step, I've worked my step. I've just begun to comprehend the futility and the fatality of holding on to those resentments. I don't even know what my old ideas are until I'm out trying to help others. All the other stuff just getting me fit enough for the big amends, which is 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, I try and carry this message. We carry it in our walk, not our talk. Does it make sense? And so, so that's when I'm going to start having my old ideas come up because here I am supposed to be helping and I'm condemning. And I can't help someone I'm judging. Does it make sense? Okay. So it says we have commenced to see their terrible destructiveness. So we, how many of you had a whole bunch of fears fall from you and resentments leave you after you saw that they really were futile? Wasn't doing you any good. Come on, in this population, a lot of you, Right. You spent a lot of time angry and realized it didn't get you anywhere. Yes? Just like the rest of us. Okay? So, we have begun to learn tolerance, patience, and goodwill toward all men, even our enemies, for we look on them as sick people. We've listed the people we've hurt by our conduct and are willing to straighten out the past if we can. In this book, you read again and again that faith did for us what we could not do for ourselves. See how clear they are about that? Had nothing to do with me drinking, not drinking. Had nothing to do with how many meetings I went to or how many sponsees I had. I don't even know what any of that nonsense is. I had faith placed within me. Someone showed me how to activate it through service. And then what was in me got activated. And the interesting thing about faith is once you activate it, you can never outspend it. The more you spend, the more you got. And people get well. So it says, we hope you're convinced now that God can remove whatever self-will has blocked you off from him. If you've already made a decision in an inventory of your grosser handicaps, you've made a good beginning. So this is my starting point. I'm armed with the facts about myself. I'm about to tell another. I'm going to go make restitution for harms done. And I'm going to do my very best to grow in conscious relation through prayer and meditation so that in an awakened state, I can deliver the healing power that was so freely given to me. Make sense? All right. So that being so, you've swallowed and digested some big chunks of truth about yourself. See you next week.